Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning. Happy Easter. Yeah, hopefully you got tons of chocolate, but uh, hopefully you came for a better reason than that. It is a wonderful day and a way better day than the last couple. Amen? Yeah, yeah. So for, think about this. For hundreds of thousands of years, people have been searching for truth, trying to understand the meaning and purpose of our existence. Many of you are actually here today because you've wrestled with this idea that he was talking about. Or maybe even you're just currently wrestling with what's going on, trying to understand the evidence of, of life's most important question that we have, which is, do I believe in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus? And, and I, I think it's safe to say that, that there has been no other question more investigated, uh, more discussed and debated in history than this. I, I actually think that the, the closest uh, that we would have in, in discussions or debates apart from the resurrection of, of Jesus is probably uh, this right here. <laughs> Serious question now. Hold up. Serious question. Is it purple and black, or is it white and gold? White and gold? Let me see. Purple and black. Raise your hands. Purple and black. Raise your hands. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. White and gold? Wow, okay. Seriously. I need to pray harder for you guys, okay. We've got, I think it was my father-in-law, myself, and maybe a couple others that were right on this one, so... We got our work ahead of us. But other than this, other than this, I would actually say that when it comes to some of the hottest topics, the biggest debates in life, it centers around this. It centers around the resurrection. I think there's been nothing that would come close. And the reason for debating Christ's resurrection is because of its claim. If true, it is far more important than any other historical or philosophical issue ever to be discussed. Ever. Literally because it changes everything. If true, this issue, this happening, this moment in time changes everything for you and I. It's Everything, how we live, what we do, the very purpose of our existence, all because of this one moment in history, 2,000 years ago, the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells a story of two men that we're going to be focusing on today that were wrestling with the evidence of of Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're going to look at uh, their experience to help us work through this 2,000-year-old question. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? So why don't you get your Bibles out to Luke 24 if you've got a Bible app, uh, 
you can bring that out. If you don't have a Bible app, this is the time that I say, hey, we've got Wi-Fi. Why don't you go and download the Bible app? We're going to go to Luke 24, verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they looked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they, kept, uh, they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people, The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked Uh, Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, and they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. From their story we see that the resurrection of Jesus is a hotly debated topic. It is hotly debated. In our story, you have these two men traveling to the road of Emmaus, and they're talking about everything that had happened in that moment. And you can just imagine the emotions that are going through their minds, this whirlwind of emotions that they're, they're thinking of. They once had this hope, this, that they were full of hope because they believed that this Jesus, this person looked like he was the Messiah, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And he had done all these incredible miracles, the one who, who checked off all the boxes when it came to what a Messiah would be. And yet he was arrested by the chief priests and rulers, and they had him crucified and killed. So in that moment, they're going from this hopefulness to hopelessness and sorrow. 
which they're consumed with. But then suddenly three days later, all the men are about to leave and they hear this rumor that Jesus is risen and that the tomb is empty. So they go from sadness to confusion, not knowing what to think. Can you imagine being in Jerusalem at the time and hearing that going on? Like, what would you think if you were in their shoes? Actually, I should say sandals. What would you think if you were in their sandals? It's almost inconceivable. The moment I said that word, you thought of a movie, didn't you? Yes, that's right. It's inconceivable. How is this even possible? It would mean that they would have to change what they understood was possible. And so these men are debating back and forth on their way to Emmaus, trying to reason what they, which, with what they had just seen and heard. So you can just imagine that they're wrestling with doubt. They're maybe even wrestling with disbelief. But most importantly, they're wrestling with truth. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And this, this isn't your typical hot topic that seems important today but is irrelevant tomorrow, right? It's, it's not one of those things where we can go online and you've got, you know, what is the greatest rock band of all time? Clearly, it's the Beatles, right? We don't have to argue that. Well, the greatest player of all times, clearly, it's Michael Jordan, right? Who's the GOAT? We know this to be true, okay? We don't have to argue this. And if you want to talk to me after the service... I have no time for that, okay? (laughs) This was a serious debate that was going on that affects how we live and what we live for. And because of that, it is a debate that has been going on for some 2,000 years. In fact, in 1966, some of you would remember this, Time Magazine released an article titled, Is God Dead?, And it was the first time ever that they didn't actually have a picture. Rather, they had just the blood red lettering, simple text. Is God dead? And this brought up incredible debate that was going on in North America. Later on in 2017, they've just released a similar article asking, is truth dead? Wrestling with the same questions that these men on the road to Emmaus had. And I'm sure many of you here have actually pondered this in your own life, in your own heart. Do I really believe Jesus has risen? Do I really believe in Jesus? Maybe you're even here and you've had those heated debates with your friends and your family. Maybe you were one of the ones that received that heated debate, right? And you're like, I'm just eating my sandwich. Why are you talking to me about this, right? Some of you know this, right? We've had these heated debates. You've had these discussions with your friends and family, with your coworkers and at school about Jesus, about, uh, about his life, his death, his resurrection. I find oftentimes these conversations, especially about the meaning and purpose of life, comes about when we see people experiencing pain in, in sickness and in death. Suddenly we have this desire to talk about things like this. We've all been a part of this where we've had those conversations and we've talked about these claims, asking about truth. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Is there such a thing as God? 
Because as C.S. Lewis, as we saw in the video, if, if he is truth, if truth is absolute, then it's of infinite importance to you and I. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has to matter to all of us. It can't just matter to one of us. It has to mean something for you and I, for everyone in the room and everyone who's not in the room, which is why what we need to do is we need to look at the evidence. And if you do, you'll realize that the amount of evidence for him is overwhelming. It's more for him than against him that he is the truth and that he really did live, die, and raise back to life. But we've got a problem today. We saw in in that article clipping, is truth dead? Today there's a trend that's happening, and if it's not, if it's not a trending belief, it's, it's, it's a practice that truth is in fact dead. As Time Magazine would have said, that, that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There is no such thing as an absolute right and an absolute wrong. It's your own in, in interpretation on the matter. And as a result, the facts become overridden by feelings. Have you ever talked to people who won't listen to the facts because they're just so consumed by their feelings? Try babysitting. You'll understand, right? We've got these facts, but we choose feelings over facts. It doesn't matter what's true, rather how it makes me feel. And if you don't like it, it shouldn't be true to you. But often this is where the tension lies with the resurrection of Christ. It's this, it's this ever-increasing tension that's going on, the separation from facts and feelings. But at the end of the day, we can't forget, and this is one of the most important questions that you need to ask and you need to even think about today, is the fact that it's not about how you feel about the resurrection. It's about whether or not he rose again. That's the most important thing we need to be thinking about. It's not about how I feel about it. It's whether it's true. Because if it's true, then it calls for a response. For these two men on the road to Emmaus, they couldn't shake the evidence from eyewitnesses' accounts. In Corinthians, we actually find out that it wasn't just a few that saw Jesus after his death and resurrection, but over 500 people saw Jesus after his death. And what's crazier is Paul, who wrote the book of Corinthians, says, hey, listen, go find them. Go talk to them. Right? They're still alive. They'll, they'll tell you everything that has happened. We've got this incredible evidence, and not even just the accounts of people who had seen Jesus after his death, but you have these overwhelming number of people who have had changed lives as a result of the resurrection of Jesus. The same could be said about you and I today. I've seen the truth about Jesus change lives around the world. I remember I was visiting my brother in Florida who works with um, 
um, low-income homes. He, he lives there, and he, he basically puts on these small groups, and, and he, he cares for them. They, I think in a month, they typically feed around uh, um, 1,500 people, and it's just him and my sister-in-law um, and uh, a couple other uh, volunteers. And I remember going and spending time with my brother, and I'm sitting down, and, and one of the things that they do other than these food programs is they actually counsel people. They counsel broken homes. They counsel people who have been caught in, in uh, uh, drugs and alcohol and have lost everything. And what's amazing to me is to, to sit there. I remember one day sitting on a, a Sunday morning as there was a row of about 20 men that stood up and, and they all got up and they talked about how they had lost everything, that they had sold all their possessions for that one last piece of you know, alcohol or one last thing of drugs or, and, and how they were completely hopeless and helpless. But because of them finding Christ, everything has changed. Their marriages now are whole. The kids, the, they're, they're incredible fathers and, 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 and they're spending time with family. We're seeing this not only in places like that, but we're seeing it around the world where lives are being changed because of the overwhelming truth of what Jesus does to people when they catch on to that fire, when they catch breath, right? And see who he is. Maybe you in the room know that person in your life that's like, wow, man, I don't know what happened to them, but the moment they found Jesus, something changed, right? I actually like them now, right? we, we experience this all around. The evidence is all around us. It's all around us, and it's overwhelming if we would just simply take a look of what happens when Jesus comes into our lives and we accept the fact that he rose to life. The second thing that we discover following these two men is that the resurrection of Jesus is deeply personal. It's so deeply personal. I love how in this story is the men are feeling down and out. They're discouraged. The, the Bible says that as they were walking and debating these things, that Jesus himself comes along and walks along with them. But they were unable to recognize him. What I love about this idea is that you suddenly get a picture, an incredible picture of who Jesus is and what faith in God is all about. Our faith is not rooted in religion. It's rooted in relationship. It's about a relationship with God. God is so deeply personal. God, uh, he's such a, a deeply personal God that he will meet us in ways that are familiar to us. In the highs and lows of life, God meets us where we are and leads us to where we need to go. That's the type of person. That's the type of God we serve. I love how in scripture it says, never will I leave you. He says this to his followers, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And here he is meeting these men on the road, but for whatever reason, they don't recognize him. And often that can happen to you and I too. Because of the season we find ourselves in, when life gets tough, it's hard to see anything that's not right in front of you. It seems overwhelming, unbearable. And maybe you find yourself in this season right now. But I believe this is when God 
gets extra close to us. C.S. Lewis says that it's in our pain, it's in our Mona's suffering that he uses a megaphone to get our attention, to let you know that he hasn't left you, that he's still here. If, if, if you all know, there's a, there's a, a famous poem called uh, Footprints in the Sand. And it's, a, it's the story about this, this man who one day meets with God and he looks out on this beach and he sees these two sets of footprints. And he says, well, God, what are those? And God says, those are the times that I walked with you. And then he, he sees single footprints and he says, well, what are those? I, I noticed those footprints. Those are when I was in my most worst season of my life. Where were you there? And God says to man, that's when I carried you. I recently saw uh, uh, from a comic book uh, another version of, of that story where after there was the single tracks, there was drag marks. And the man said, well, what's that? And God said, that's where I dragged you, right? <laughs> Joking aside, here's the truth of who God is. He's not one to impose Rather, he will propose. Just like he did with these men. And it's because he loves you that much. He cares for you that much. He died so that you could have hope, so that you could have a relationship with him. And that's why the resurrection of Jesus is so deeply personal, because we were suddenly able to have a deep personal relationship with God. Finally, if you've got your notes out, these two, from these two men, we learn that the resurrection of Jesus demands a response. It demands a response. It's, it's, a, it's a watershed moment. Have you ever seen what a, a watershed moment is? If you look over here, right? The rain will come down and there's only two places it can go, left or right, right? And so... This is what happens when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus is we experience a watershed moment where water hits the roof and it has to go either way. It forces you to make a decision. It demands a response from you today. Who is Jesus to me? And not choosing is still a response. Not believing is still a response. And I think there's a large majority of people in our world today that just goes, ah, not right now. Maybe, I don't know. But it demands a response. Not choosing is still a response. Francis Collin, one of the greatest scientists of our time, was a, a director of the hu uh, Human Genome Project, where he was mapping over three billion letters in the human DNA. He's actually considered one of the most brilliant and significant minds undertaking um, the 21st century right now. And he describes how he encountered Jesus and came to believe in the truth of Christianity. Well, in the home where I grew up, our faith was not something that was talked about very much. And my father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, when I went to college, and those discussions were more late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason.
like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, she had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her, and she got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, what do you believe, doctor? What do you believe? Here's the truth, is that the resurrection has no room for ambivalence, no committal or indifference. We see this with the two men the moment they realized that Jesus had in fact raised to life. I love how in the Bible in Luke 32 and 34, it says that they, once they heard the news, they returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and they said, it is true. So let me ask you a question today. What do you believe? Is it true? When you look at the cross, when you look at the empty tomb, what do you see? Here's what I see. When I look at the empty cross, I see that just at at the right moment, Christ died for me. Christ died for you and I. I look at this and I say, there is no other salvation that comes from anyone other than Christ. There is no one under heaven in mankind that could save me like him. I look at this and I think, there needs to be a response when I see this. And my response is found in Acts 2. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't just change everything for us. It means everything to us. It means the world matters to God. It means that we matter to God. It means that he takes injustice seriously. It means that he takes pain, suffering seriously. It means that the resurrection of Jesus brings good news. It brings healing. It brings victory. It brings so much more. It means that family that I've lost because of cancer and other things, that is not the end. It means that because of the shame and the pain that I've felt for years, that that is not the end, but I have new hope. It means that anyone who's crippled and blind, that is not the end for them because he rose from the dead. We have new hope now. That is what the empty cross, the empty grave means to me. So what is it? what do you believe today? What do you believe today? Is it true? Is it true? Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 